This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. This was the top agenda item all along. We should have seen it coming. I think many of us did. If you remember during the Obama years, the first thing they went to was health care. And then after health care, they went for immigration. And then after immigration, they tried to go for the environment, what you could call the Green New Deal. But now they've realized this time around with Biden in charge, the Democrats are going to be pushing more on immigration than anything else, and specifically on amnesty. That's right, amnesty. This is what they realize wins the future for them. All they have to do is win on this issue and everything else falls into place. We see this. We've seen it coming, I think, for years. And here's what the Biden administration is saying about the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021 includes an eight-year path to citizenship for illegal immigrants, which the White House estimates to be 11 million. Eight-year path to citizenship. Now, let's, let's understand this. The whole notion of a pathway to citizenship is false. Once they create a legal framework, once they create this, this basis for making people who are in the country illegally permanent, not just residents, citizens, this isn't just saying you get to say. This is saying you get to vote, you understand, right? This is what's going to happen. And by the way, if they try to change this, if they, if they try to alter the language, they say, well, no, it's not voting rights right away. It's actually just going to be permanent status. If that's the case, uh, they'll change it. They'll change it. Because once someone's here permanently, they'll have the ability to vote. Once someone's here and they're legal, it's just a matter of time before the Democrats are in the majority again or just change their mind while they're in the majority and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to grant voting rights now. 11 million people. Think about how many votes the last election was determined by. Think about what it will mean for the Republican Party going forward if not only do you have those immediate votes added into the mix, but there is going to be an enormous push, obviously, for particularly the, the many millions of uh, Latinos uh, who would be covered under this or have someone they know covered under this to vote Democrat forever. I mean, th- this is a way to try to achieve a permanent majority. And you'll notice that in the past when this was tried, the Democrats wanted to do this under the Obama administration. Some Republicans we're going to go along with it. In the past, when this was tried, uh, the the people lit up the switchboards of Congress. It, it was the American people who said, hold on a second. What exactly is going on here? And you're going to be, let, let me assure you, you're going to be lied to about this issue as much as, as anything in the political realm in recent years. I mean, the, you're going to be told things by the news media about this. Oh, it's going to be very strictly enforced. Think about it. Why why an eight-year path to citizenship? Why why should it take eight years? What exactly about that makes sense? Oh, well, because then they say they'll process people and there will be these, these benchmarks you have to hit. There'll be these things you have to achieve, things you have to do in order to qualify. Here's why that's nonsense. 
If you don't qualify, does anyone believe you're actually going to have to leave the country? If for some reason you don't do some of the things, and, and who knows what it'll be, right? This hasn't become a law yet, but you know, pay back taxes, have English proficiency. As you no doubt know, a lot of, for a lot of cases, the people that are illegal immigrants would not, in fact, even qualify for paying federal income taxes. They, they would get a refund from the government for their uh, based on their earnings in the past. So they're just going to get a check. They're just going to get a check. And now we see the Democrats understanding how to utilize and wield power. This is one part of the game that I wish the Republicans knew better. I know people don't want to hear this. What did we get? We had Trump and we had a Republican majority in the House and the Senate for two years in 2016, starting in 2017. What did we get? Anybody? Tax cuts. We got tax cuts. Now, tax cuts are fine. You know, I think we are overtaxed. But remember, they're also temporary. Taxes are about to go up, friends. Taxes are about to go up a whole lot. And what we see now is that the Democrats understand to to strike while the iron is hot. They're trying to take action while they can to do as much as they can. That's their plan. That's the way they approach this. And we're left to say, let's hope we can convince some of their own, some Democrats, not to go along with this. Let's hope we can convince enough of the American people that this would lead to, um, uh, well, lawlessness in this country. I mean, sovereignty is already being eroded by Democrats all the time because what's to make anyone think that this amnesty would be the final amnesty? If you're wondering how this has worked out in the past, you can go back and read about Reagan's amnesty back in 1986. There's only going to be a few million people, and it turned out to be a whole lot more than that. And it went on for years and years and years. The enforcement mechanisms that were supposed to be in place, the deal then, and this was under Reagan, and Reagan admitted that he got swindled. He admitted that this was not, this did not end up being a good deal for the American people. But what it was, was that you had people that were going to be legalized, but that would be it, and you would shut it down, and no more illegal crossings at the border. Okay, that was it. That was what we were supposed to get in exchange in response. And do you think that happened? Do you think there there was no illegal crossing after that? Do you, do you think that that would? No, of course not. No, in fact, it was a massive incentive. And there were even more illegal crossings in the 90s than ever before. You want to know how did California flip from being a Republican-leaning state to being a deep blue stronghold, illegal immigration through the 90s played a huge role in that. Say, oh, but illegal immigrants can't vote. Uh, Their families can. Their children can. And which party is more favorable to illegal immigrants? Which party says, sure, come come on in. Doesn't matter that you've broken the law. Doesn't matter that there are these challenges. And it's going to be part of a whole broader legalization effort that includes things like temporary protected status, deferred action for childhood arrivals, immediately eligible for green cards, uh, farm workers. There's going to be all this stuff. That's this, this is exactly what they tried under the Obama administration. They're just going to dress it up a different way. 
They're going to call it something else. They're going to have some other way of of presenting this to the American people. But this is where everyone has to see Joe Biden was sold to us as though he was in some way less radical than Obama. That's obviously not true. Joe Biden is completely in line with Obama. In fact, because the Democrat Party has gone further left, Joe Biden is governing to the left of Obama right now. That's what's actually happening. It's what we are seeing from day one to now. Unbroken trend here. Oh, it was good old blue collar Joe. He's been in the game a long time. You know, you can trust him. He's he's whatever the Democrat Party needs him to be. He was whatever the Obama administration needed him to be. And now the Biden amnesty. Now they have the votes. If they get rid of the filibuster, they can do this. Now, I know right now people say, oh, they they won't. Democrats won't go for that. You know, Joe Manchin, there are a few Democrats who won't do it. The truth is, if they decide this is important enough, they'll do whatever they have to do to achieve power. They'll push in whatever ways they need to. There's not even a pretense, by the way, in this bill of border security. Border security used to be the thing that Democrats pretended they cared about so they could get more illegal immigration, so they could get more amnesty. In this case, they're not even they're not even going through the motions. This is just legalizing a whole lot of people that broke the law and are in this country illegally to this day. That's what it is. And trying to up those numbers as much as possible. This changes the American political landscape. And that is what the Democrats are hoping to achieve with it. That's what Biden's trying to do. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, it's a sad thing to say, Mika, but that's classic Andrew Cuomo. Um, A lot of people in New York State have received those phone calls. Uh, You know, the bullying is nothing new. Um, I believe Ron Kim, and it's very, very sad. No public servant, no person who's uh, telling the truth should be treated that way. Um, But yeah, the the threats, the, the belittling... Uh, the demand that someone change their statement right that moment, uh, many, many times. I've heard that, and I know a lot of other people in this state have heard that. So you believe Assemblyman Kim that he was threatened? 100%. It's, uh, first of all, I know him. Uh, he's a good public servant. Uh, I've always seen him as a person of integrity, but it's just the script is exactly what a lot of us have heard before. It's not a surprise. It's sad. It's not the way people should be treated. And, you know, a lot of people get intimidated by that. I give him credit for not being intimidated. Wait a second. You mean the 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 love gov? You mean that that uh, the hero of the pandemic, the greatest leader, a guy who should be a stand in at the last minute for the Democrat nominee for the 2020 election. You mean I get an Emmy and I write a book about leadership. Andrew Cuomo is actually a terrible human being who's bad at his job and just runs around like a psychotic bully. Oh, okay. You know, we're not actually just finding this out now. It's just now they can't hide it anymore. It's broken wide open on the nursing home issue. So they they can't run the same kind of cover for him, but they did cover for him. For as long as they possibly could. They did everything in their power, everything in their capability 
so to make sure that none of this stuff would be known by the general public before the 2020 election. Cuomo has a horrid, a putrid reputation for anyone who has actually dealt with him in politics. And yet the media was all, oh, my gosh, listen to the way that he, he tells these tales. He weaves these stories. Listen to the way that he he's bringing us all together with his conferences. Absurd, simply absurd. And now we find out that he even goes after fellow Democrats. Notice even de Blasio, who is a man of the left, but, you know, He's a bureaucrat and he's a he's a tyrant in his own way, but he's a passive aggressive tyrant. You know, he's a well, I want you to do this thing and I'm going to have my people send you a letter. Cuomo gets up in your face. Cuomo tells you your career is over. Here's how the New York Times reported on it. For months, Assemblyman Ron Kim has been one of the few Democratic lawmakers willing to criticize Governor Andrew Cuomo for his state's handling of the nursing home during the pandemic, pressing for investigations into the matter. So when a top aide to Mr. Cuomo recently admitted that his administration had withheld nursing home data from state lawmakers, Mr. Kim, whose Queens district was hit hard by the coronavirus, said it appeared the governor was trying to dodge having any incriminating evidence. Hours after Mr. Kim made that comment in the New York Post last Thursday, He got an irate late-night call from the governor. Mr. Cuomo began with a question. Are you an honorable man? And then proceeded to yell for 10 minutes, Mr. Kim recalled, threatening to publicly tarnish the assemblyman and urging him to issue a new statement clarifying his remarks. Mr. Cuomo made good on his threat on Wednesday afternoon. In a remarkable retort, the governor used his press briefing to lob allegations of impropriety at the assemblyman, saying that he and his administration have had a long and hostile relationship with Mr. Kim, now in his fifth term. In particular, Mr. Cuomo was angered and combative about a letter published by the New York Post that was signed by several assembly members, including Mr. Kim. The letter, citing the governor's delays in releasing a complete tally of deaths of nursing home residents, including those that happened after a resident was transferred to a hospital, accused Mr. Cuomo of attempting to circumvent a federal probe and intentional obstruction of justice. Oh, wait a second. Cuomo could be under investigation here, friends. The FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn are, according to a number of news outlets, investigating Cuomo's handling of the nursing home deaths. So the heat is getting turned on here. But I I just, there's so much going on. This is the guy who more than anyone with the exception of Fauci was held up by the Democrats at at the peak of the first wave of the pandemic, held up by the Democrats as the model for how to handle this. They even said things like, he's the model. This is the way you deal with it. And now we see... He is a psychotic tyrant. Now we see that Governor Cuomo is somebody who is, o- is not only willing to hide information that would show people just what happened here. People's relatives were dying. They were dying by the thousands in these nursing homes. They weren't even allowed to see them in their last days. They weren't even allowed to show up and give them one last hug or even wave to them. 
And Cuomo was acting like he was high and mighty. And if only we listened to him, lives would be saved. If we did not do everything he told us, whatever calamity would befall us was our fault. And people ate it up. Democrats believed this. They thought that this was a great example of leadership during a crisis. This buffoonish, vicious thug. And Democrat governor of of the fourth biggest state in America, somebody who has still talked about or was until recently as having presidential aspirations. How is it that we can have journalists in this country? How can we have a profession known as journalism when they don't feel ashamed that this truth about how Cuomo handled the pandemic, how he hid what he did, and how he tried to suppress anyone else from speaking out about it, including people in his own party who were disgusted. I'm sure Assemblyman Kim is appalled by this, appalled on, on, a, on a deep human level. This is his neighborhood. Queens was one of the worst hit parts of the entire country by the COVID pandemic. And Cuomo wouldn't hear anyone else. No other ideas allowed. No other thoughts to be included. His way or shut up. And he really means it. He means it. You you have to do it the way that Cuomo tells you to or you deal with the consequences. That's why this Guardian piece here. It's a lot of a lot of news news sites pick this up. This is uh, just the beginning. Federal prosecutors in Brooklyn, the FBI, have started investigating how Andrew Cuomo's coronavirus task force handled data on deaths in care homes and similar facilities, uh, according to multiple reports. As pressure mounted on the New York governor, the preliminary federal investigation is looking into whether state officials manipulated figures on care home deaths which were recently revealed to be nearly double what the authorities first disclosed. This isn't just about accountability. This is about liability. This is about holding people responsible for decisions that might have led to death in the case of Andrew Cuomo and his nursing home order. We're just beginning to dig into this. You're in the Freedom Hut. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest from Buck at BuckSexton.com. Governor Cuomo called me the, late, the next day at 8 p.m. While I was about to bathe my kids, I was with my wife. And for 10 minutes, uh, he berated me. Uh, he yelled at me. Uh, he told me that, you know, my career will be over. He's been biting his tongue for months against me. And I had tonight, not tomorrow, tonight to issue a new statement, essentially asking me to lie um, and asking me like I, I just I heard and I saw a crime the other day. And he's asking me that I did not see that crime. And, and that was the line that, he, you know, a, a line that he crossed that, that, that can't be undone. And, and that's why I had no choice uh, but to come out and, and speak up. The hero of the Democrats during the pandemic, second only to Fauci. And we see he's actually a disgrace, bad at the job, awful decision making, dishonest, and a thug on top of it all. The governor of New York, highest executive official in New York State. 
This is the person who gets to determine when restaurants get to open. This is the person who gets to determine what the level of business closures will be for how long, at what percentage, how long you have to mask, where you mask, how you mask. Everyone needs to understand that is what has happened in this country. We have handed over willingly because people are scared. And when everyone got so scared because the media was just pushing the panic porn everywhere because it was necessary in their minds to defeat Donald Trump when they were pushing all of this, when they were doing all of this. Never occurred to them or they didn't care that they were handing over all of this authority to morons. People like Andrew Cuomo. Unbelievable that this is where we are. And and you know, you see this some of the some of the big names that were used for their anti-Trumpism. Some of the people out there who we were told um that that the, the most important thing about them was their their utility, their usefulness in destroying Donald Trump. They've now been proven to be frauds. They've been proven to be awful people. So many of them. I mean, you have you have Cuomo, you have the Lincoln Project, which has been in a state of complete collapse. Right? You have the Lincoln Project. You have uh, now Governor Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, another one. Right? Oh, Gavin Newsom was doing a great job. He was taking victory laps in California. He was the he was the poster child. He was the golden boy, the person that knew how to protect his people because he listened to the science. That's how he used to say, you know, here in California, we listen to the science. Gavin Newsom is sure you do. How'd that science work out for you in November, December, January? Oh, you know what the real problem was? They weren't double masking. If only if only someone had figured out that two masks were better than one six months ago, we would have all been fine. That's what they want you to believe now. What they definitely do not want is for you to question what the heck has happened to this country and what we've been put through. People like Newsom and Cuomo and Whitmer have been making these decisions, these arbitrary totalitarian decisions about our lives for going on a year now. And we just went along with it because those who were in a position to raise the alarm, to say, hold on a second, this isn't the way, we don't have to do this, they were either silenced or cowards. And so the country was dragged through this. All Newsom and Cuomo did was make things worse. The policies that they instituted for which there was opposition for which we could have had a robust debate they didn't allow the debate it was nope i make the call i'm in charge that was the approach from cuomo from newsom from whitmer from governor murphy in new jersey many many of them hogan and maryland just go down the list listen to what we tell you to do or else we'll shut down your business or else we'll arrest you we'll fine you we'll shame you You'll lose your job. Oh, you're a mask denier. You can't even fly in a plane anymore, mask denier, right? That's how it's been. And now we see who these people really are. Now they're being exposed. And in the case of Governor Cuomo, this is not going to go away. 
This is not one that you can just wave your hand and pretend it, it didn't happen. He was engaged in an active disinformation campaign with the, with the complicity, with the partnership, really, of the corporate Democrat media and the, the Democrat Party overall. You go back, you hear all the, oh, all the speeches, all the celebrities, celebrities, you know, all these actors and, and athletes are so stupid. It's really, social media just means now we're all, they inflict their idiocy on us all the time, even if you don't want to see it. But they were, oh, Cuomo's doing such a great job. This is more than just about the political accountability, and I, I want you to really understand that part. This is more than just a question of whether or not there should be pain for someone like Cuomo at the ballot box for making bad decisions. When he hides information from people, the people, including the government itself, as well as the voters, when he hides information that has to do with life and death issues, that has to do with public health, that's more than just, I don't want people to think badly of me. That's affecting decisions, and the outcomes of those those decisions are determining whether people live or die. New York Assemblymember Ron Kim says, and this is why Cuomo's so angry at him, that there was no discussion or debate when it came to what Cuomo wanted to do with nursing homes or anything else for that matter. He was the tyrant of New York. There were uh, there's a total of 9,000 COVID positive patients that were transferred back to nursing homes in, in about in the two-month time period where he had a mandate in. The nursing homes couldn't reject them. Um, these were underprepared nursing homes. I know this because I was on the ground working with them. They were crying that they couldn't do this. Half of the staff members already had COVID by then, and they were out. They weren't working. But Governor, um, you know, he just doubled down and tripled down. Other states might have adopted those policies, but they quickly repealed and moved in an entire direction to a point where they started banning uh, COVID positives in nursing homes. But he continued to do that, and it was a bad policy. And that's, But that's not the point, Joe. I think we could all understand on the first wave, you could have made some mistakes. I think the public, myself, we would have sympathized and continued to work with them. But he shut us out. He covered information and he doubled, tripled down on bad policies. And that's why we're here today, because he refused to talk about the truth and acknowledge the mistakes so we can move the state forward. He refused the truth in a way that affected decision making at the highest level about the sacred obligation to protect the lives of people in the state of New York, to protect our fellow Americans with, who have the misfortune, myself included, of living in a state where Andrew Cuomo is the governor. That's what we're really talking about here. This, this is beyond just your normal political scandal because by hiding that data, by preventing people from knowing what was really happening in the nursing homes, we did not have the chance to say, Hold on a second. What's going on here? What are you doing? There can't be accountability for government in general. Never mind government that's taken a a totalitarian position, which is what Cuomo's done. He was given these emergency powers for a year by the New York State Legislature, and he was really enjoying himself with it, telling you what you could do, where you could go, who you could see. So much power. I mean, more than any politician has has had in memory. 
right? And the, the concentration of power over day-to-day lives that governors of these states who have become power mad, what they've been able to do, what they've gotten away with is an atrocity. Why can't more people see this? And just remember, they hid it from you. It was all to defeat Trump, whatever they had to do, however they had to lie, whatever stories they had to tell, justified. In fact, they're proud of it. At the end of the day, if you sat down with a journalist in a a moment of honesty, if you sat down with someone from the New York Times, the Washington Post, you said, you know, how can you have any faith in your profession whatsoever? How can you have any belief in what you're doing? Given what's happened here, they'd say, well, Trump didn't win, did he? Cuomo doesn't matter to them. The nursing home deaths, that's not really their job. Their job wasn't to shine a light on a tragedy that was a man-made one. Not entirely. I see, I'm not the Democrats. I don't think they created COVID. I don't blame them for all of COVID the way they did to Trump. But I can blame people for saying, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take people with COVID who are seniors, whose immune systems are already overtaxed in dealing with the virus and are likely to carry high viral loads and send them back into close quarters living conditions with other seniors who are by far far at the highest risk of death from this disease. I can hold somebody accountable for that. That that is a, a decision that could have been made or not. The resistance, you see, the anti-Trump resistance, they had their priorities. And the priority was anything it takes to stop Trump. Cuomo saw that and he ran with it. You know how sometimes there'll be some celebrity who will get caught, usually in some kind of a sexual impropriety. This has happened a number of times. Some well-known Democrat will get caught, uh, you know, sexually harassing or even in a sexual assault or whatever, whatever the allegation may be. And they'll release some statement. They'll say, I have a lot of reflection to do, a lot of thinking to do. And I'm also going to turn around that I'm going to fight the NRA on gun violence. And they've tried this before. I think Harvey Weinstein even did this. There have been a number of people who have pulled the, uh, I did a thing maybe, I'm not sure, I'm not going to admit it and really apologize. I'm sorry if you feel upset about it, but I'm not saying I did it. But I'm going to attack the NRA. Ah, that's the game they play. Well, now, as you know, what's even better than that? What's the bigger get-out-of-jail-free card for a Democrat, at least up until now, than anything else? I'm part of the resistance. I'm here to take down Trump. Cuomo saw it, and he ran with it. And only now, after that usefulness to the left has finally dissipated, are are we able to have a real conversation about just what happened here. The person held up by the left as the biggest hero of COVID is actually the biggest villain. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In a week, middle school comes back. It's going to be safe because we've really set the gold standard for this nation. We, we looked at the very beginning of opening schools in September. We said, let's take the best, the best approaches from around the world. So our kids all wear masks, for example. Our kids are tested. Uh, a, a big sample of each school tested every week. Uh, you know, these are the things that have worked. Our schools are the safest places to be in New York City. Yeah. 
So first middle school, and then I look forward to high school. And I got to tell you, Willie, this whole country's got to reopen our schools. You know, enough is enough. Our kids need it. And they're suffering. You know, really, let's be clear. It's not just academic loss. Our kids are suffering emotionally. And if they're not in school, it's bad for them. It's bad for their emotional development. For a lot of kids, it's very, very painful to not have that chance to go to school. And we've, we've got to pay more attention to that. There's some sense coming out of Mayor Bill de Blasio's mouth here. At least when he says the whole country has to reopen schools. That's where we are. There is no other position that makes any sense. There is no other good faith argument. There's no, oh, but what about, but we got to talk, but the ventilation systems, but the double masking, but, but, but. No. Open the schools now. Not next month. Not next fall, right now. But they they have a very clear problem here. And I, I, I hesitate to even bring this up because it's so troubling when you really think about it. There are a lot of people, and there's also the system itself, those who work within the, the bureaucracy, the apparatus of government control at all levels, federal, state, local. There are a lot of people who have been in positions of authority and power during this, and they don't want to give it up. All you have to do, it's so easy. You take a look at where COVID cases are right now, and all you have to do is see the the precipitous drop in the last month. New cases on a seven-day rolling average, and I'm using like New York Times data here, CDC data, you know, the gold standard stuff that everyone's always talking about. I'm not going to some blog somewhere and taking someone's word for it the cases are down 50 percent 50 percent in the last month new cases that's really uh you know impactful that really matters so shouldn't there be an why aren't you feeling i ask this why aren't you feeling the enthusiasm out there the the hopefulness Where's that sense of of unfettered joy just waiting, just waiting in the background for when we can finally have our lives back? When they will stop with the wear a mask, when they'll stop. Oh, they don't want you to be able to stop with that anytime soon, do they? No, not safe. Look at what they're doing with schools and understand that this is going to be their approach to everything with COVID, as it has been all along. It's not safe. Sorry. Uh, People are suffering. They're losing their businesses. They're suicidal. They're abusing drugs. Their health is deteriorating. They're losing their minds. Millions and millions of people across the country are going through this. And and they have bureaucrats telling them, yeah, okay, fine. Cases are going down, down, down. And the vaccine is getting distributed, but it's not safe. Well, when is it? When will they finally take their boot heel off our shoulder when will they say you know what okay fine we don't just have unlimited power anymore we don't get to tell you that your business can't be open or that you can't go see your family members or you can't travel they're not going to do it we're going to have to fight every step of the way because they will drag it out as long as they can and if you ask me how long is that i don't know But whatever is reasonable, whatever is rational, it'll be much more than that. It'll go much further than that, I can assure you. That's their plan. 
That's what they are seeking to do here. To extend this pain because it means they can extend their control. They like the control. This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I will say one of the reasons that the president has put $130 billion of funding in his American Rescue Plan is because he knows that schools across the country need funding to satisfy some of the mitigation steps that are recommended in the CDC guidelines. Uh, I talked with him about this this morning and his concern, as you have raised, that uh, this is deeply impacting women. We're seeing that statistically with every week and every month of jobs numbers. We've seen it anecdotally. And uh, his concern is about the impact of course, on working women today, but also on how it will uh, it will bring us back uh, in the years ahead. Because if there are fewer women who are in the workplace, there are fewer women climbing the corporate ladder, there are fewer women who are uh, getting law degrees, uh, getting doctorates, uh, and that has a long-term impact. So you're right that, or I, I should say, what I'm taking from your question is, uh, you know, can we, can we get this done if we don't have funding, if we don't have the different components? When he announced his goal of opening the majority of schools, he made clear we need to have funding because most, many schools will tell you across the country, we're, they were waiting for the CDC guidelines, they want to know how to do it safely, but they don't have, they need the funding to hire more teachers, they need more bus drivers, they need uh, the ability to uh, implement the mitigation steps that are going to work for their school districts nonsense okay you're hearing it here from the white house press secretary the fact that she has that job is really in many ways feels like all you have to know about this Biden administration but anyway what she's saying is just is just bonkers we need we need 120 billion dollars for schools so that schools can reopen because they have to implement all these mitigation measures did somebody write it? Did I miss something? Did someone write a check for a hundred billion dollars to private and, and parochial schools, which which have been open all year and are fine? Did did that check get written? I just don't know about it. We need we need money for all the money for more teachers. The teachers they have aren't even teaching. More teachers? Are are, are they serious? Yeah, well, they are. Unfortunately, uh, this is all just now people trying to get theirs. This is teachers' unions saying, wow, Uncle Sam's going to be writing some big checks. Let's get our piece of that. Sorry that your kids haven't been able to learn anything for a year, and they're miserable, and they've been separated from their friends, and their development is stunted. And Sorry about all that, but, you know, we got to get a little more OT in the budget. We, we need more, more Zoom capability. Why is it that teachers are so sacred in this whole process but the people that are are bringing you your food or o- opening up the grocery store or you know delivering your mail or you know go down the list why is it that we have to take this special precaution for teachers it's because they are holding your kids hostage the teachers unions are holding kids hostage so that they can get as much money out of the taxpayer as possible during this time of crisis this is the this is like war profiteering, except it's virus profiteering by the teachers union. That's what's happening. Now, all this other stuff. Oh, we need money for mitigation. Why money for mitigation? Why? The, the, the science, the data doesn't say that, oh, it's really important that you have kids double mask and put them in plexiglass pods and you rotate one teacher for, you know, for five kids every 
whatever it is. Like, that's not what the, the data says. Kids are at acceptable risk, which means almost no risk from this disease. Acceptable risk. That means that even if they get it, it's okay. They're going to be fine. And the teachers who are teaching them are at very limited risk of getting it from the kids. In fact, the CDC director said yesterday, spread is worse in communities with schools that are on lockdown. So someone explained how it's a good idea to keep schools closed when the communities with schools open are better off from a pure COVID spread perspective. Someone explain that. Well, they can't. They, they have no case to make here. There's nothing that they can say. They, they don't know what else they can say other than give us the money. Because we need so many more masks. I mean, it's horrible here in New York City. There's just, there's people's disposed of masks on the floor, on the ground, every, I mean, on the street, everywhere. It's just trash. It's all over the place. Remember we were told, oh my gosh, we're all going to run out of masks. We're going to run out of masks. We're the United States of America. We're the wealthiest country, the wealthiest society in the, in the history of the world, of the planet. I mean, that is a true statement by far. We're going to run out of a piece of cloth to put over our, our mouths. Never mind the fact that there's now a discussion. Are we allowed to have the discussion about how effective is a loosely worn balak, you know, a loosely worn balaclava or or kerchief, uh, a bandana over your mouth. How effective is that at preventing you from getting COVID nineteen? Considering that now we're told, you know, you really got a double mask. Are, are we allowed to ask that question or no? That's where we are. That's what we're seeing here. Can't even ask the question. Not allowed. Not allowed. Just do what you're told, peasant. Double mask up now, not not single mask, double mask. And the, the school's issue, I think people are seeing that this is the canary in the coal mine. This is a taste of all of the rest of what lays ahead, which is they're going to fight every step of your freedom. The Democrats, Biden, the Fauciites, you're going to have to just with your with your your fingernails, just gripping it with everything you've got. I want my life back. I want my liberty back. And those of you are saying, oh, Buck, it's not that bad in my state. Okay. Try and fly on an airplane. See what that's going to look like in three or six months with the Biden administration. Try to do, try to do business. Try to go for a, a, you know, a work trip into a blue state. See what the federal government has planned for you. See the way they're going to raise taxes. Look at federal policy on, on uh on schools when it comes to the CDC, what they're saying. This affects everybody in different ways. Every state with a large population center, a major city, has been in some form of lockdown, in many cases extreme lockdowns. And they don't want to stop it. And they also maintain the right to do this again in the future. See, that's the other part of this, too. We're supposed to be thankful when they finally let go of this iron grip of tyranny around our throats we're supposed to be thankful for it. I'm furious about it, and I have been all along because I've known these people are idiots. They're not as smart as they think they are, not by, not by a mile. And they like to tell you what to do. There is a, a petty, tattletale hall monitor at the heart of the Democrat Party today, the Democrat belief system in America. Petty tattletales. That's what they are. Eh, 
where's your mask? Why are you doing this? Uh, you support Trump. You caused the virus. Really? Yeah, remember, remember when the red states, uh, there were stories, there were news stories written about how the red states were going to be crushed by COVID-19 because we don't listen to the science in red states, right? And and it was the blue states that were the models of how to handle this, yeah? Anybody want to revisit those bits of brilliant analysis? But I've seen a lot in advance. That's for sure. I've seen a lot. And one of the things that I've seen is that they weren't going to, you know, there, there was this whole theory among conservatives. As soon as Joe Biden comes into power, everything is going to open and everything's going to be fine again. And that's the game. I said, no, that's not what they're going to do. Eventually, they'll give you a little they'll give you a little taste of freedom. They'll give you just a little bit like a little bird dropper or eyedropper, rather, which you would feed birds with a little eyedropper of liberty, you know, just a little bit. And you'll be so parched for it at that point. You say, oh, my gosh. You, you mean I don't have to wear a mask all day long outside? Only if I'm, you know, in the, between the hours of 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. and rush hour. They've actually done that in some places. They have rush hour mask requirements in some countries. As if, as if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Only certain times of day you have to wear a mask. But you'll say, okay, anything, anything. Please just stop harassing me with this idiocy, right? That's where, where we'll be. They've broken a lot of people with this. I can't tell you how many people I, I had saying, oh, I, you know, I don't want to hear about it anymore. It's not, you know, fine. We'll just push through it, really. Don't tell that to your favorite local business uh, owners, your small businesses around you. If you live in a city, very good chance that small business has, has been through hell and maybe is never going to open its doors again. Maybe if we had all said that we really are the land of the free and the home of the brave, maybe if we really were going to decide don't tread on me has some meaning beyond a flag that some people have in the background when they're doing TV hits, we wouldn't be in this position. Ask them. Ask the people who refuse to give you back your freedom under the guise of protecting you. How well have they protected you? What have they really been successful in doing with all of this? Show show me the proof. Show me the numbers. And then when they're making their highly unconvincing case to you, which I can assure you is what will happen. You can go a step beyond that and say, when do I get my life back? Notice they won't give you. They, they say this is all about data and science. Why can't they tell us right now? When cases day-to-day for a two-week period drop below 10,000, COVID restrictions uh, go away and we're on our individual, you know, you're basically released on your own recognizance. Your individual behavior you know, don't be foolish if you're sick, stay away from people, but you get your life back. They won't do that. No. No. Saki bombs even telling you, we, we don't know when we're going to decide that we're going to give up all this power, all this delicious power that we've accumulated. It's amazing, isn't it? That's how the status, that's how the authoritarians think. Here she is, play 12. This is the question, as I'm sure is the case for all of you, that every neighbor, every friend, every family member asks, uh, at least me in the street when I'm walking my dog in the morning. Um, we, we want to be straight with the American public, though. It is we are not in a place where we can predict exactly when everybody will feel normal again. And it has there are a number of reasons. One is even though we will have enough doses for every person in this country, as you all know, because we've talked about it in here, vaccine hesitancy remains a challenge. Uh, we need to ensure that 
that everybody who uh, can get a dose is getting a dose. Uh, we all will also need to be masking for some time. We will also need to be still taking social distancing measures. So, um, you know, there there's, of course, is a, an understandable question. And I think the president uh, wants things to return to normal, as we all do. Uh, but we, uh, we we don't know at this point what that timeline is going to look like. Why not? Isn't it based on metrics and data? Why can't they just determine right now? Why can't they? You know why? Because it's arbitrary. Don't you see? It's whenever they say so. Biden, the Democrats, Fauci, the CDC, they've turned us all into little kids saying, hey, I'm hungry. When when can I have a cookie or when can I when can I go outside? When I say so is the answer from the lockdown left. And they look you right in the eyes and they say it over and over again. When I say so, that's when. If you say, well, hold on, but but what about, yeah, science. They chant this like it's some kind of argument ender. Science. There's no science in when I say so, but there's a lot of power, isn't there? I'm, I'm telling you, I have seen this coming. I knew they weren't going to just open everything up and have a totally different attitude when Biden came into office. I was I was arguing, debating with conservative friends of mine for months about this. And here we are. If we allow the Fauciites to continue, we're going to be dealing with this misery for at least another 14 or 15 months. That's right. That's where the, the it'll recede in the summer. Don't get me wrong. It'll go down. They'll start to let you feel normal again. But then, oh, we're going to hear about the variants. And then, oh, we're heading into the COVID season again. And then oh, you'll be back into it all next winter. And we'll just be on this seesaw of totalitarian health policy madness.